So we continue our series this morning on the uh, wonder, toward wonder, uh, with the theme, the wonder of relationships. And uh, uh, our family uh, have got into a a family tradition. It's happened for the last three or four years, and that is for a a Saturday before Christmas. We go up to London and to see the, the Christmas lights in Regent Street and Oxford Street. And we've been doing this for the last three or four years, and yesterday was the day when we went up to, uh, to see those. But we planned a, an extra surprise for the girls. We didn't tell them about it. Uh, we planned also to go and see the Lion King uh, in the West End. I don't know whether you've ever seen that. It's the uh, most extraordinary thing. Ruth and I saw it many years ago. thought it would be great to, to take our girls to it, and they're about old enough now where it would be uh, good for them. So we surprised them, having uh, run the gauntlet of Hamleys in the morning. We then surprised them with the Lion King in the afternoon. Hamleys, by the way, Hamleys a few Saturdays before Christmas is what hell is going to be like, just in case you ever wondered. They like it. I cannot stand it, and I can't wait to get out of the shop. We, we don't buy anything. We just have to do like all the demos, you know, that they've got around their fingernails painted, all that sort of stuff. Anyway, uh, that's an aside, but that is what hell is going to be like. But uh, we went to the Lion King in the afternoon, and uh, if you've ever been, there's a bit, they, they do a big opening number, and it's the Circle of Life, which is the song Elton John wrote for the Lion King. And uh, uh, in the middle of the opening number, coming down the uh, aisle of the, the front section of the seats, and then up onto the stage comes an elephant. And it's like, I think it must be a full-size element, elephant, because there's a person in every leg. And that's how they operate it. And uh, it happened the first time we ever went to it, and it happened again yesterday. When this elephant comes up onto the stage, there was a collective gasp from the audience, and then everybody just burst into applause. And I've been to lots of West End shows, and I've never seen that happen anywhere else. That in the middle of the opening number, everybody gasps, and then everybody bursts into applause. The spectacle of it is extraordinary, and uh, it's worth going just for that. And that kind of sense of wonder, that kind of (gasps) sort of moment, is what we're trying to help us do about God in this series. Because if you're like me, you take God for granted a lot of the time. And we lose our sense of awe and wonder at God. And yet when we pause for a moment to reflect on who God is and what he's done and on these things that we're reflecting on, on uh, uh, the wonder of his creation, on the wonder of relationships, and next week on the wonder of grace, it should make us go, and we should gasp in wonder at God and stop taking him for granted. And so that's what we're trying to do in this series. That's the goal of this series, to encourage all of us to pause from time to time And allow ourselves to be in wonder at the magnificence of God. And today we're on the wonder of relationships. And I thought we'd start with a a clip. It's actually two clips put together from the start and end of a film called Love Actually. And uh, this film, the Love Actually, if you've ever seen it, it's about the wonder of relationships, isn't it? Uh, And uh, we're going to watch this uh, clip together from Love Actually. The, The wonder of relationships. Uh, One of my best friends is a guy called Ian, and I met him nearly 30 years ago. But the way that I met him was quite interesting, that we, when we were about 11 or 12 years old, I started going to a youth group. We didn't go to the same school, Ian and I, and uh, he was part of the same youth group. And when I was 11 or 12, it was kind of a a big craze to sneak up behind people and flick their ears. This was kind of a, a thing that you did, you see. 
And uh, so I didn't know Ian at all, but this was something that we were doing quite a lot of at the youth group I was going to. And uh, the way I met Ian was through flicking his ear. But what I didn't know about my friend Ian that I learned subsequently was that uh, he was hard of hearing. And so he was wearing a hearing aid. And in those days, the kind of uh, hearing aid that he had was one of those ones that had a big solid bit uh, behind the ear. And so the way that I was introduced to my friend Ian was sneaking up behind him, flicking his ear, and virtually breaking my finger on his hearing aid. Now, he thought this was hysterical and uh, inflicted no damage on his hearing aid. To me, it was incredibly painful. And uh, thus started uh, a relationship that's lasted nearly 30 years. And uh, we were each other's best man. We have uh, seen each other get uh, married. Well, we presume we did get, they did get married if we had best men. But we saw each other married, having kids, and we're still great friends with them, and they're coming to spend New Year with us over the Christmas time. Uh, I remember sharing things with them. I remember sharing with them when Ruth was first pregnant, and their joy. They say were some of the very first people that we told. And as I was reflecting this week in preparation for today on the relationships in my life, I realized that I take these things for granted. I realized that I take his friendship for granted. But as I reflected on this week, on it this week, I realized the wonder of it, actually, that we went to different schools. We were in different years. He's a year older than me. We both moved away to different universities. We have different careers. We've lived in different parts of the country, and now we live in different countries, because he lives in Wales, which certainly is a different country. He lives there. And in fact, we lived in America for some time as well, but our friendship has remained throughout all of those things. We met different women, with different marriages, different children, and yet we still have a friendship that transcends all of that and includes all of that. And that actually is amazing, isn't it? 30 years of friendship. I reflected, too, on just a few weeks ago, uh, we went to stay with my dad and my stepmom. And uh, the place where they live is a place called Devizes, which nobody's really heard of except if you like beer. Because what Devizes is famous for, it has a brewery, Wadworth's Brewery, and they make a beer called 6X, which is evidence of the existence of God, by the way. 6X, if ever you were worried or wanted further proof. It's the world's best beer. And when I went to uh, stay with him, he decided that we should have some father-son bonding time. And he decided a great way to do this would be to go on the tour of the brewery. So we walked, because we knew there was going to be tasting at the end of it. We walked to the brewery in Devizes. Unfortunately or fortunately, depending on whichever way you look at it, we were five minutes late for the start of the tour. So we decided we wouldn't bother catching up. We'd just go straight to the tasting. And they've got like a visitor center, and it's got like a bar, especially for people to taste. And we spent an hour and a half together in the bar at the visitor center of the Wadworth's Brewery, tasting beer and talking together. And then we went home. And I realized that was actually a wow thing. What an amazing thing to be able to spend that kind of time with each other, chatting, enjoying each other's friendship as well as our relationship as father and son. But also I reflected that our relationship together, my dad and I, has been through some really painful things. That we have been through some really painful things together. Because although relationships can be wonderful and can bring us great wow moments, they can also cause us great pain. I remember 
sitting with my sister and my dad. The evening my mum died, and she died 10, 15 years ago of breast cancer. And I remember sitting there with them, and I remember the pain, and it was like it was a physical pain. So relationships are not always easy. They can cause us great pain. But as I hope we'll see this morning, relationships always, when there's love involved in them, reflect the heart of God. Because relationships and love are a gift from God, and they reflect his very heart. And I wonder, as you've heard me reflecting on just two of the relationships in my life, whether you're sitting there now thinking about some of the relationships in yours. Whether you begin to feel things like I feel about the relationships in my life. Whether you begin to see, perhaps, how the heart of God is reflected in your relationships. Or maybe you, like me, have found yourself taking them for granted. Whether you ever stop and ponder in wonder and amazement at the relationships in your life. Or maybe, sometimes the relationships in your life have brought or are bringing you pain. But I wonder if you ever pause and reflect on friendships, work colleagues, children, parents, partners. I wonder if you ever take them for granted. Have you ever paused for a moment to reflect on the wonder of interwoven lives weaved together from people with different backgrounds, different lives even, coming together in a relationship? Whatever kind of relationship that might be, it's an amazing thing when lives are woven together like that. And what I want to do to reflect on this and to help us reflect on it further, is read to you a story from the life of Jesus. And I'm going to read it from Mark's account of Jesus' life. And actually, Mark starts his account here. So, for example, if we want to find out about the birth of Jesus, we can't go to Mark because he doesn't uh, pick it up. He picks up straight from when Jesus is 30 years old and first kind of launches into his public ministry. We have to go to other accounts of Jesus' life to find out about his birth. So Mark picks up... And in this passage, I think we find some really interesting relationships that will help us as we ponder on ours. So Mark says this, The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord and make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the river Jordan. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit." At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. In preparation for today, I read some books about this passage, and one of them makes what I think is a really interesting point, that what we are reading here is like a play, in that there's a front stage drama and a backstage drama being played out in this text. 
And what we get to see is both the front and the backstage. But what the people who were actually there and who were present in this moment saw was only the front stage bit. It's kind of like we are being let in on a secret that will only be revealed later in the story of who Jesus is. And the secret is that Jesus is God's son. Verse 1 said, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Son of God. Mark's account of Jesus' life starts with this recognition of, of the relationship between Jesus and God, that Jesus is God's Son. And the identity of Jesus as God's Son is crucial of, is, uh, of what is to come. And it's really interesting that there's a symmetry here, that the start and the end of Jesus' ministry are both marked out by him being identified as the Son of God. Because here, Mark identifies it at the cross, the centurion identifies it. I don't know whether you remember the story. When Jesus dies on the cross, a centurion who was involved in his execution, standing at the foot of the cross, says what truly This man was the son of God. There's a symmetry about the start and the end of Jesus' ministry, that at the start and the end, he is being recognized as the son of God. That is his identity. And everything that Jesus is and everything that Jesus goes on to do flows out from that identity. And so this is the first relationship that I want to pull out from this passage. The relationship between a father who is God and a son who is Jesus. And this relationship is all about identity. All about identity. If we're Christians, our relationship to God is as sons and daughters. Elsewhere the Bible says that we are adopted as sons and daughters of God. Like Jesus, we are sons and daughters of God. And this relationship that we have with God, in exactly the same way as it provides Jesus with his identity, it can provide us with our identity. Like Jesus, we are sons and daughters of God. Then we hear about John. And his relationship to Jesus is paramount. The Bible says in that bit that I read that he is... The messenger, John the Baptist is the messenger, sent ahead of Jesus to baptize with water, where Jesus will baptize with the Spirit. And this is the second relationship, the relationship between John and Jesus. But this is not the first time that John and Jesus have met. In Luke's account, we read that Mary, Jesus' mother, when uh, Jesus is still in the womb, goes to visit Elizabeth, John's mother. And as Mary approaches, the baby in... Uh, Elizabeth's womb, John, leaps for joy. It's like they recognize each other, John and Jesus. John recognized, even before he was born, that his life would be identified by his relationship with Jesus. His life would be defined by his relationship to Jesus. He is the messenger, the one who prepares the way. And just as John's life is defined by his relationship to Jesus. So our lives should be defined by our relationship with Jesus. If we find our identity as sons and daughters of God, we find our purpose in our relationship with Jesus. And then, at Jesus' baptism, we see the final relationship I want to talk about. And in fact, what we see here is that relationship goes to the very heart of God. Let me read it to you again. 
At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. But just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. A couple of things to note here. The Bible says that the heavens were torn open. They were torn open. In other places, particularly in the Old Testament part of the Bible, it says that the heavens were opened. And when that happens, it's usually a sign that God is about to speak or to act and that we will get a quick peek at who God is and what God's purposes are. But interestingly, Mark doesn't use the word open. He says that the heavens are being torn open. And this is a really significant difference because, you see, what is opened can be closed. But what is torn cannot easily be returned to its former state. When Jesus comes up out of the water after his baptism, heaven is torn open. All of heaven breaks loose. God now has full access to earth, full access to us. Heaven is torn open and God is coming. The barriers are torn down and now God is in our midst and he is on the move. The prophet Isaiah, many years before this, said, Oh, that you would rend or tear the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you. And now that has happened. There is no gap in the relationship between us and God. We have full access. And what is interesting too is that God wows at his relationship with his son. In verse 11, you are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. This is the backstage piece of the drama that only Jesus and God would have been aware of. Because it doesn't say, this is my son. It says, you are. God is the father is talking to Jesus the son. And nobody else probably sees what's going on. But we get to see what happened. This is the backstage drama. This is God's wow moment. This is my son. I love you. I'm pleased with you. Notice too in this passage that the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are all mentioned. And they're all mentioned at roughly the same time. This passage teaches us, therefore, that God exists as a relationship between three distinct entities, Father, Son, and Spirit. This is the third relationship from this passage, and it's about God himself. They exist, Father, Son, and Spirit, distinctly. They are all present at the same time. So they exist distinctly and at the same time. But they exist in a relationship with one another. What we call God is in fact three parts. Father, Son and Spirit existing in a relationship. That's God. Father, Son and Spirit existing in a relationship. And we tells us in Genesis chapter 1, we human beings are made in his image. If he exists as a relationship, we're made to exist in relationship. That's why relationships should make us go, wow. That's why a friendship, a marriage, a family should be celebrated at and wowed over and wondered upon. Because when we experience a relationship in any form... We are experiencing what we are created to do. We're experiencing and reflecting the very heart of God. 
that day in the brewery, God was looking and smiling, saying, this is one of the things I created you to do and to be. Relationships and love are a gift from God, and they reflect the very heart of God. But of course, we must acknowledge too that they can bring great pain, the loss of a loved one, betrayal, breaking up of a marriage or a friendship. What then when our relationships cause us great pain? Well, we must remember that God the Father's relationship with Jesus, his son, ultimately caused him great pain. In this passage, God is wowing at his relationship. When Jesus goes to the cross, he is weeping. Can you imagine the father's feelings? The son who he loves, who he wows over, dying on a cross. Relationships are and can be painful, and some of us may be experiencing that today. What we need to know, if that's us, is this. God has experienced the pain of relationships as well as the wonder of them, and he knows The wonder, the true wonder of relationships is not that they are always easy or that they are never painful. The true wonder of relationships is that they are amazing despite that. Relationships and love are a gift from God and they reflect his very heart. And when we enter into a relationship or live out a relationship, whether that is in a marriage or a friendship or as a parent or as a child or with somebody at work or somebody at school, when we do that, we are into an amazing and wondrous thing. And we are reflecting the very heart of God. When Jesus was asked a question one day, what is the most important thing that human beings should remember? He said this, love God and love people. Love your neighbor. And that's why our mission statement as a church says that at EBC, we exist to love God, to love people, and to grow together to be more like Jesus. Because when we do that, we're reflecting the heart of God, and we're reflecting what Jesus said when asked, what was the most important thing that human beings could do with their one and only life? Love God, love people. Because when we do that, we reflect the very heart of God. Our relationship with God as adopted sons and daughters provides an identity for us. Our relationship with Jesus provides a purpose for us. And our relationships with each other is what we were created for. And of course, relationships are sometimes painful. But they are also wonderful. When my mum died, it caused us great pain. But I wouldn't have swapped my relationship with her for anything. And so this morning, just as we finish, I want us to pause in wonder and to thank God for our relationships. And inside your bulletins this morning, you've got stuck some more of our Toward Wonder post-it notes that we've been giving out throughout this series. And I want to encourage you to write the names of people on those post-its that you're in relationship with that cause you to pause and wonder Uh, If you haven't got a pen on you right now, in the moment of quiet that we're about to have, you can think about who you will write on your post-it notes when you get home. And then I want you, as we've done with all the other post-it notes in this series, to stick them up. Stick them up on your PC or on your fridge or in your office. Stick them up and pause in wonder and allow God 
to move you toward the place of wonder. So let's just pause for a minute.